0: Still don't understand how you steal, or I'm sorry, not how you steal, not how you steal a hot air balloon. That's easy, but how you steer. Really? A hot air balloon. Really? Why don't
1: you explain to us briefly, since it's so simple, since you seem to have it nailed down? How does one steal a
0: hot air balloon? Easy. You throw the weights off, this holding it to the ground, turn the gas on high, and
1: up she goes. <laughs> that's not stealing. That's ghost riding into space. That's- <laughs> it's fucking nothing
2: to what do have, with that what have you welcome back to the Trello troika this is Steve along with the other Steve
1: one <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Ryan. The amount of countdowns that we had to do to get this timed up, I feel like the count in Sesame Street.
1: One, two, three. <laughs> uh, what do you got? What are you drinking today? Bush ice. <laughs> uh, I have
0: Yingling Golden Pilsner. It's pretty good. Oh,
1: that's respectable beer. Yeah,
0: yeah. It, was, it was like Bogo Public, So
1: you have a mustache, don't you?
0: Um, it's connected to a beard, so I would call yeah. it more of a full beard. But yeah, sure.
1: Yeah, so that's yeah, because that's who buys Yingling.
0: People Mustachy-ed with
1: mustaches.
0: Men. <laughs> I'm gonna tell my neighbor that's a single woman that. <laughs> And then I'm going to ask she's her to just, see her mustache. She pro- oh, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you want to do that.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. That would be bad. Nah, she's an older lady. She's cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want to see it? All right. Here it is. No. Doll. She might be like like, 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 put her hand to her face and be like, oh, my God, you can see it? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, speaking of mustachioed women drinking yingling. <laughs> Today we're we we talking, talking about, about, about the circus. <laughs> The, Ying- Close. the Yingling Brothers Circus
0: The Ringling Sisters, sir
1: The Yingling Brothers Circus <laughs> <laughs> So fucking funny Oh man
2: and Today we're going to be talking about the adventures of an Arctic explorer Named uh, Solomon August Andrea Exactly
1: Sir Edmund edmund hillary <laughs> <laughs> sorry my my uh, my mic was muted because i kept kept fucking laughing oh man yeah sir edmund hillary's emails
2: um so at the end of the 19th century you may be aware that there was sort of this obsession with conquering sort of the arctic and the antarctic regions of the earth because they were considered to be like the last unexplored areas, bro.
1: That is still on my bucket list. See, go the Arctic, conquering the Arctic,
2: <laughs> harassing a penguin. Um,
0: I want to see you harass a polar bear.
2: Nope. Um, but they oh, largely bye. they largely saw these areas as sort of like just challenges. They didn't really view them as areas, you know, where where people lived and and things like that. Um, So they kind of ignored those aspects.
1: Okay. (laughs) Jesus.
2: Uh, But Solomon August uh, Andrea, um, he was an engineer um, at the the patent office in Stockholm, Sweden, um, who wished to be one of the men to become famous for conquering the Arctic.
0: Speaking Um, of people that have mustaches that probably drink yingling, holy shit. Yeah. (laughs) Solomon, bro, (laughs) that thing is impressive and powerful. Solomon
1: August Andrea, yeah. I'll take two yinglings, please. That dude invented (laughs) yingling with that kind of mustache.
2: (laughs) He was born on October 18th, 1854, um, in a small town of, uh, Grana, uh, Sweden, um, and um, and he was mainly had his mother raising him because his father died um, in 1870. In he attended the trai- Royal Institute. In of Te- a
0: tragic skiing accident. <laughs> oh, really? I thought it was suicide by
1: cop. In <laughs> oh <my God>. uh... <laughs> <And> Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> That's. I don't know if I could see that. <laughs> <That's> the <laughs> they don't carry guns there, so that cop would really Sweden was have a to very work different
0: on you. Pl- Sweden was a very different place in the 1800s than it
1: is now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this yeah, is the 1800s. Keep... Oh, okay, yeah. They definitely don't have guns there.
2: <laughs> you don't even know what it was like on the streets.
1: What did he sickle them? Like, Icicle? <laughs>
2: Just... <laughs> Just hit him with a giant Allen wrench.
1: <laughs> yes, a big-ass wrench. <laughs> what the hell was that? Uh, That's my skate key. <laughs> um,
2: Andrea Un- Andre attended the Royal Institute of Technology in Stockholm, uh, where he would graduate with a degree in mechanical engineering in 1874. Um, uh, in 1876, he went to the Centennial Exposition in Philadelphia... Um, where he worked as a janitor at the Swedish Pavilion.
1: Now, in 1874, right? Yes. He went to Philadelphia to work as a janitor. No, in
2: 1876, he went to the Centennial Exposition. That's
1: at Epcot in, at the, at the in Philadelphia. <laughs> how, now, how did you get there in 1874? 1876.
2: Well, it, I, I believe he went like with the contingent uh, that went to uh, the. Because it was sort of like the World's Fair. It's
1: like a small ship or a big ship that would go. He swam.
2: <laughs> I would imagine it was a big ship. Yeah. Because
1: you're going from Sweden to
0: America. <laughs> it's not going to be a what little dinghy. What color
1: was the ship?
0: <coughs> it's not going to be a Gilligan's Island little dinghy. Oh, I know. I'm like, That's I'm on like
1: sitting here. I was going to keep going down, but Steve sounds like he's getting annoyed. <laughs> 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 oh, man.
2: Um while well, in the United States he would read a book on trade winds and he met an American balloonist named John Wise. Trade winds sounds um, like a
1: book like with some lovers in a soft font on in the grocery store. Trade winds.
0: Trade winds was the name of my grandfather's heating and air conditioning company in Boston. <laughs> oh my god. He was actually a very successful company. He sold it and retired.
2: He just looks at the cover with, like, the Fabio-type guy.
1: Like, well, like, like that most, be, that like be most AC guys, you know, the business starts off real good, it's real hot, and then it cools off at the end.
0: Hey! hey look at this
1: guy!
2: <laughs> but uh, this, uh, reading this book and meeting this balloonist, um, it sort of uh, gives him a lifelong fascination with balloon travel. Um, he would return to Sweden, open up a machine shop where he worked until 1880. Oh, balloonist.
1: Um, I'm sitting here thinking you're talking about someone making me fucking, you know, balloon dogs. You're talking about something like a a hot air balloon.
2: Yeah, like a hot (laughs) air balloon.
1: I'm sitting here, like, picturing, like, a clown figure, you know, making me some some cool stuff. But you're talking about a a fucking person with a goddamn job, shit.
0: So back in the day, back then, was it a hot air balloon? Or like
2: Yes, it was it was uh, hot air, uh, usually uh, hydrogen.
0: Oh, that couldn't go wrong in any, any sort of way that I can surmise at all. Not that I'm aware of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hydrogen, one of the safest noble gases.
2: <laughs> um, he would return to Sweden and open up a machine shop where he would work until 1880. Um, it was uh, not very successful, and he soon looked for other avenues of employment.
1: Uh, uh, that was six years. I mean, it's got to be pretty successful.
2: I mean, it's also the 1880s, so I don't, I don't, I don't think rents were very high.
1: Yeah, it's like 12 cents a month. Like, they didn't, they like didn't you have rents. You labored for your home, and then that was it. You owned it within a year. I mean, it's also Sweden, so I don't think you could be entirely wrong with that. Sweden, they didn't have houses yet. <laughs> <laughs> they all lived together. <laughs> I'm gonna In ke- dormitories. I'm, I'm gonna keep doing that for the rest of the episode.
2: From 1880 to 1882, he was an assistant at the Royal Institute of Technology, and in 1882 until 1883, he participated in a Swedish scientific expedition uh, to Spitsbergen, which was led by Niles uh, Eckholm, and this is where uh, he would uh, sort of do experiments and observe uh, air electricity. What? Um, I'm sorry, what? Like like lightning and like stuff like that. Oh, okay. like, like just just sort of like electric phenomenon and weather and gotcha. weather. Gotcha. Um, Spitsbergen, though, is the uh, largest and only permanently populated island of what's is called the uh, the Svalbard archipelago in northern Norway. This is a series of islands that are to the far north watch above your Norway. Mouth, buddy,
1: okay. <laughs> would you just call me? Yeah. <laughs> These people they fought for their for their lives for years to be called. Svalbard? I mean, wow. Um,
2: From 1885 until his death, he would be employed at the Swedish Patent Office. And from 1891 to 1894, uh, he was also a a liberal member of the Stockholm City Council.
1: Man, this guy was busy. Goddamn Libs. Uh, well remember as a, Ryan this was before the southern strategy he was super racist oh shit okay
2: <laughs> as a as a scientist he published uh, scientific journals about air electricity conduction of heat and um, different inventions um, and he was a friend of uh, Jonas or I should say Jonas Patrick uh, Jungstrom um, and he educated his sons uh, Berger and Frederick uh Lundström who would go on to be like notable Swedish engineers and industrialists in the early 20th century. Wow. Um, so a lot of his, uh, a lot of his views on life as well, where that, um, the natural sciences, uh, were the most important thing and he lacked any interest in art or literature. Um, he also believed, um, strongly in industrial and technical development, um, and believed that the emancipation of women, uh, would, uh, would have a negative effect on technical process or progress he
1: also he also was a big big fan of edging (laughs) (laughs) i believe he was quoted as saying is if you figure something out about air lightning and it's a big deal you want to wait to release that you You want to build up wait for the right time wait for the right time and then wait a little bit longer just a little bit
0: and whenever you think you're ready
1: the minute or two. and then I'm trying to think of like a like an Pia from their time zamo there you go you release it.
2: His, he he was the first one to draw plans for a quote-unquote goon cave
1: <laughs> <laughs> an air lightning proof goon cave how about that one less fear <laughs> when you're in your gooner cave
2: where it's where it's just a room full of those uh, the, those like viewfinders that you put a penny in and it just flips a bunch of pictures and like <laughs> like, a naked lady.
1: Couldn't you just see, like, George Clooney having, like, a goon cave and calling it the Cloon Cave? Pretty Isn't sure he? he does. Like, he has the Cloon Cave, right? He has to, right? He's got to, man. I, I would I
0: would guess it. he probably had it built sometime after he was Batman, and he was looking around, and he's like, this is actually a pretty good fucking idea.
1: Yeah. He's like, yeah, we should call this the Cloon the, uh, the Cave Clan. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure those are spelled with C's. Make sure those are spelled with C's. Wait, what's that? What's that again? What's wrong with that? What? Oh man.
2: In 1893, Andrea uh, would purchase his own balloon, the Svea, Um and Big he Big fucking nine... deal.
1: I go down to the store, and get ten of them right now.
0: So I mean, I guess. Oh, I guess my you meant is, like a hot air balloon? Okay. I, yes. I, I guess my question is: how do you how do you make a hot air balloon back in the 1800s? Without, because I mean, okay, not saying that we're smarter now, but I feel like using hot air back then, they would have just lit their entire balloon on fire.
1: Ryan, we are, we are, we are not just smarter now than 1890. (laughs) We are embarrassingly more intelligent. I well, I don't want to denigrate those guys because you again, I, may feel free. <laughs> the vast majority of them <laughs> considered dark people to be of lesser mind because as somebody, <laughs> okay, terrible um, welcome, <laughs>
0: welcome to 2023, where a lot of people still think like that.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's but true. But
0: working with the general public in the capacity that I do, I could tell you, um, if we're smarter than we were in 1893, it's not by a lot.
2: Okay. <laughs> well, they had they had balloons in the 1700s, like. They had them before the French Revolution, and they really? were used in the American Civil War. Really? As like, as for scouting. Like, they would have guys up in balloons, like, watching the battlefield and, like, relaying down, like, what they were seeing.
0: How did so they relay it
2: down? They don't have like, a fucking cell phone. <laughs> you just scream it would, down? They, they would yell.
1: I thought Look out, they used he's coming! Yeah, uh, like the rock and paper with a string method. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> football sees pigeons,
1: they're trying to do
0: smoke signals no, from inside Steve, the
1: balloon. You can't put a rock on a pigeon.
0: <laughs> you got to try harder, aim aim better, and you can actually get
1: a rock on a pigeon. Fucking pigeons um, pigeon dive bombs right down to the. Well, that was a quick message. You hear it coming in. <laughs> so in
2: 1893, Andrea purchases his own balloon, the, the Svea. Um, And he makes nine journeys with it, uh, starting from uh, either uh, Stockholm or or Gothenburg, and travels about a combined distance of 1,500 uh, kilometers or
0: 930 miles. Oh, shit. Okay.
2: Um, He goes against uh, prevailingly uh, westerly winds. Um, So his flights had a strong tendency to carry him uncontrollably out to the Baltic Sea. Um, and drag his uh, basket very close to the surface of the that water. That's the name of my first. <laughs> <laughs> That's the
1: name of my first album, right there. As soon as I come up with a band idea again, uncontrollably out to the bolting sea. <laughs> the first album <laughs> by Steve, <laughs> the other Steve.
2: Um, um, and is uh, the basket would nearly go into the uh, ne- nearly into the ocean, uh, or slam into one of the many uh, rocky. Uh, Uh, islets that are in the uh stockholm archipelago
0: why isn't he taking flight like why isn't he gaining
1: altitude
2: because he's uh he doesn't really know what he's doing
1: (laughs) (laughs) you sound like you're asking someone about trump's presidency why isn't he getting better why isn't he taking power why Why doesn't doesn't really know what he's doing
0: (laughs) why doesn't he just not do the thing that he's doing well he doesn't really know what he's doing (laughs)
2: Um on one occasion he was blown all the way uh to Finland. Goddamn really Oh man I'm jealous <laughs> um and his longest trip was uh due east from Gothenburg across um most of Sweden um and out over the Baltic uh to the island of uh, Gotland um even though uh he saw a lighthouse and heard breakers off of the uh, off of uh, Olan. Um, he he believed that he was just only seeing uh, lakes and that he was traveling over land. Okay. Uh, during a couple of these flights, um, he tested, um, tested and tried out uh, a technique called drag rope steering, uh, which he had developed and wanted to use for his uh, uh, projected North Pole expedition that he wanted to take. Okay. Right. Um, drag ide- rope steering. So the idea was he would drag ropes... Uh, which would uh, hang uh, from the balloon basket um, and drag part of their length on the ground. And they're designed to sort of counteract the tendency of the, uh, of the craft to travel at the same speed as the wind. Um, and uh, it, it would make it easier for him to, uh, to steer the balloon. But the, the idea is that the ropes are going to slow down the balloon uh, to the point that he would be able to effectively steer it by slowing it down enough.
0: Just because they're dragging uh, on the ground.
2: Yeah, that that's his theory.
0: Oh, okay. this isn't a real thing. Then that's just his stupid idea. And,
2: yeah, and we'll okay. we'll get into that. Okay. Um, and and so and that it would allow the sails to have an effect other than uh, making the balloon rotate on its axis. Um, uh, Andrea believed that uh, with the drag rope steering, he had succeeded in um, deviating about ten degrees either way from the wind direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of modern balloonists, um, such as the Swedish Ballooning Association, uh, maintain that his belief that he had deviated from the wind was mistaken, um, and that because he was inexperienced and uh, was very enthusiastic um, uh, in, in an environment of, of different, like uh, variable winds and poor visibility. Okay. Um, and this is because uh, drag ropes, which are prone to uh, snapping, falling off or becoming entangled with each other or the ground, um, in addition to being ineffective, is not considered by any modern expert to be a useful steering technique.
1: Ah, there it is. Okay. Man, that's a way to just shit on them. Not by any considered to be a useful steering technique, you dumb, dumb stupid head.
2: Well, you know, you're... (laughs)
0: I can't believe you thought Steve that just, would work. You Steve just totally—what
1: a drag rope! Steve just laid on him, <laughs> dragged him right down. I had never heard that phrase like ever. To drag be dra- rope to be dragged, like oh. like when someone like fucks with you and they just—it's really really hard on it. They just drag you through the mud. You never heard of that before? No, I hadn't heard of it until like this year. Really, oh, I know all the yeah. random shit that comes out of my head, and it's like I don't never heard that. Like, what the hell?
2: So, a lot of uh, in, in Sweden there was a lot of um, ambitions uh, for controlling the Arctic because you know it's so far north that a lot of these uh, Scandinavian countries um, they wanted to have like a stake on the North Pole um, and sort of the resources they could get from the area. Steve,
1: right, because like um, right you could have a stake anywhere. Why would you go?
0: I would go to the Ponderosa to be honest
1: Ponderosa <laughs> 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 Oh man Nah I got to Stevie give me a st- Stevie Nicks uh, Western Roundup I think that's what it's called <laughs> I'll get one from the goddamn Sizzler I don't give a shit
2: <laughs> What a <are> competing <laughs> franchise against Stally Barton's like, yeah. West, like, yeah. like, like, like Stampede you, or whatever Yeah
1: that fucking <laughs> SNL sketch Oh it's so good Chicken vaginas are so good <laughs> Wouldn't you love
0: to eat that? I would love to go get a steak at the Holy Land Experience. Oh, uh, womp womp. It's gone. Good riddance.
2: Um, And uh, Sweden, especially, uh, had a chip on its shoulder about it uh, because Norway, which was seen as being a support uh, subordinate nation uh, to Sweden, um, was considered to be the world power in Arctic exploration. Um, notably, a pioneer named uh, Fritjof uh, Nansen. Um, Nansen, uh, led a team that made the first crossing of Greenland's in- interior in 1888, um, and uh, he he went across uh, Greenland um, using uh, cross-country skis.
1: Interesting.
2: Um, the uh, so the the political and scientific elite of Sweden were eager um, to uh, take the lead from the Scandinavian um, uh, among the Scandinavian countries, um, and Andrea who was a a persuasive speaker and fundraiser, uh, found it easy to gain support for his ideas about Arctic exploration. All right. Um, At a lecture in 1895 for the Royal Swedish Academy of Sciences, um, Andrea was able to uh, thrill the audience of geographers and meteorologists, um, uh, saying that uh, he would construct a polar exploration balloon, which he explained would need to fulfill four conditions. Um, it must have enough lifting power to carry three people and all their scientific equipment, advanced cameras for aerial photography. What is this? Hunter X Hunter.
1: He's got contracts. <laughs> got conditions with his men.
2: <laughs> uh, provisions for four months, um, and ballast altogether uh, weighing around uh, six thousand six hundred pounds. I believe Bro,
1: he also said. I believe he also said, "I will not use it to float a Chinaman." I believe he Bro, said it's
2: that. <laughs> it's
0: it's a fucking balloon. He's trying to bring a whole like U-Haul with him. Like, what the fuck?
1: <laughs> yeah, um, that's a lot. It's like the princess from Spaceballs. Four, mm-hmm. yes,
0: four months of provisions in a dirigible. Like, how are you doing that?
2: Uh, he said it, it must re- uh, retain the gas well enough to stay aloft for thirty days.
1: Well, you know, you um, can just shit off the side of it because uh, that's how they used to shit out of castles. You know that, right? Yeah. So if you're up there, you know you can if you're, You got to be up there for a really long time. You gotta have. That's the thing people don't think about. They think about food, but you need a place to shit. You know? Can you
0: imagine hanging your butt off the side of a basket of a balloon and just shitting on somebody down below by
1: accident? That's actually the name of my second album. <laughs> can you imagine shitting on somebody down below? Yeah. First, what was it? Balls first to Norway. <laughs> <I
0: can't remember. laughs> At first, Ball, into the Baltic balls first scene. across the Baltic Sea. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Shaving my uh, balls over the Baltic <laughs> You know, I liked his first album It was kind of ironic, but his second album was a little vulgar What was it called? Uh, it was called, you know, hanging off the side of a bucket <laughs> To get a balloon to take a big shit
2: <laughs> um, He said that the, the hydrogen gas age. He said the hydrogen gas uh, for the balloon Must be manufactured um, And the balloon itself filled um, At the Arctic launch site they would use um, and he said it also must at least hmm. be somewhat steerable.
1: Yeah, he's probably still swole uh. from when they told him he couldn't steer with the shit using his ropes. I
0: still don't understand how you steal. Or I'm sorry, not, not how you steal. Not how you steal a hot air balloon. That's easy. But how you steer?
1: Really? A hot air balloon. Really? Why don't you explain to us briefly, since it's so simple? Since you seem to have it nailed down, how does one steal a hot air balloon?
0: Easy. You throw the weights off. This holding it to the ground. You turn the gas on high, and up she goes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's not stealing. That's ghost riding it to space. It's got, got fucking nothing to do, if, do with that.
2: What if you, you flood it, Ryan? Just sit <laughs> there on <out> the watch? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my god. It's
0: like a fucking shitty propane grill. They're running up on you. All you hear is click, click, click. like stealing a hot bitch. air balloon.
1: <laughs> fucking anybody could do that.
2: Goddamn, the alternator in this balloon shot.
1: That's how my car died at work. I got home today. I just took three, four balloons. Hey, you guys got a grill lighter I can borrow? <laughs> <laughs> a grill lighter? You're up there with a big uh, they put they put like half a milligram of fucking butane in those. Uh, that's, you can he, hear my, you can hear the jerky he, come out when I say that. They put a half a then then he, milligram of butane in those.
2: Then he falls out of the basket on fire like one of those stuntmen just <laughs> stumbling uh,
1: around. No, like a like a street fighter too, like critical hit, you know. At least they're yeah. falling uh, into the snow. I mean, you know, sweet and all that. <laughs> All right. So anyway, um, underwater basket weaving and
2: so Andrea is very optimistic about um, how easy this would be for him to do, um, and how easily he could meet these requirements. Super easy, um, no problem. He he would state, you know, that larger balloons have been constructed in France, um, and he claimed um, and and that more airtight ones had also been created too. Um, airtight. Some. Uh, yeah, because remember the actual balloon has to be airtight due to the due to the temperatures.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I understand what you're saying.
2: Because because the gas the gas is going to escape more easily, right? Um, and say like like 0 uh climate than like just like regular temperatures, right? Right. Um, uh, some fridge balloons had also uh, remained hydrogen filled uh, for over a year without uh, losing any of its buoyancy. Um, as for the the hydrogen and filling the balloon at the launch site. This could be easily done with the help of mobile uh, hydrogen manufacturing units. Um, For the steering, he referred to his own drag rope uh, designs and experiments um, and say that a deviation of 27 degrees from the wind direction could be routinely achieved.
0: He's literally making shit up. (laughs) He's literally making shit up.
2: (laughs) Because remember, it was half that with his his, test balloon that he believed, that, that he claimed that he was just making up. He was, I can, he was I can probably see not people telling him, like, Solomon, that doesn't
0: work. It's Solomon, that doesn't work. Fuck it, give me the drag rope.
2: <laughs> uh, Andrea also uh, assured the people that he was speaking to that the Arctic summer weather was uniquely suitable for ballooning. Um, because he said that the midnight sun that's could enable she, observations around said. the clock, mm-hmm. um, which would... Uh, which would how uh, the voyage um, time uh, that it would take um, and it would do away with all the um, a- any need to anchor at night uh, which might otherwise be uh, dangerous to travel uh, at night do
1: you mean have the the voyage did you say halve? yeah because remember I think you said it, I think it would ha- I th- it would I think you said half that's what I heard anyway anyway it, well, it would
2: have for or, or whatever half
1: half. <laughs> oh, oh boy I'll tell you what's not going to be cutting after the length of this episode oh it's going to be great
0: um, we're, we're going for he, three hours about dirigibles boys let's go oh, he,
2: he also believed that uh, having the sun up uh, 24 hours would uh, allow the balloons buoyancy not to be affected by uh, night
1: so the Oh my god, so he determined himself To stop the spinning of the earth (laughs) Is this Superman
0: trying to hit the earth at an angle? Like, what the fuck? It's 1890,
1: he's not thinking
2: Well, no, no, they're so far north That it's just going to be During that time of the year It's just daylight, (laughs) 24 hours a day
1: Oh, right, 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 okay
2: yeah, because we're we're talking about like you... northern tip of Alaska, like oh, my like levels of I,
1: I lost the geography so, yeah. a little while ago. I I thought we were still in Philadelphia, Philadelphia.
2: <laughs> no, this is this is in this is in Sweden. Oh,
1: okay,
2: and he's talking about launching it from the islands the that are above Sweden or Sweden. Did he use a balloon? He
1: and walked. A balloon in the Atlantic. <laughs> yeah,
2: I think he took a tramp steamer. You call oh
1: me? right, okay, I got it. <laughs> did you, what, what did you just call me, <laughs> Ryan? First of all, a tramp steamer is not something you want to step in. All right, <laughs> is it like the Cleveland steamer or? Uh, it's just a, it's an alleyway poop, you know. Oh, it's a, a Cleveland steamer. steamer, but
2: on the lower back.
1: <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, I'm going to take that out. <laughs> he
2: also, he also claimed that the uh, that his drag rope steering technique was uh, perfectly suited for the Arctic where it was mainly ice, um, which he said, uh, quote unquote, it was low in friction and free of vegetation. Um, He said that the minimal uh, precipitation in the area uh, posed uh, no threat of weighing down the balloon. Um, If some rain or snow did fall on the balloon, he argued, uh, quote unquote, precipitation at above zero temperatures will melt and precipitation at below zero temperatures will blow off for the balloon will be traveling more slowly than the wind. And the audiences who are listening to him, uh, they believe what he's saying because they don't really have any idea about the realities of the areas he's going to go into. Right, he could uh, just Much, like,
0: that, he could just much like our that. audience.
1: Yeah. <laughs> just be I making this shit they don't up as we go, you know? And they're like, the, yeah, sure.
2: <laughs> the fact that there are uh, summer storms um, in that region, um, that there are usually fogs, um, that is a is also uh, an area that experiences high humidity during that time of year. Yeah, there's um, a lot and there's a al-
1: high degree of uh, swamp bass, I believe. <laughs> that's why, Ferb.
2: Well, some of them get some of them get terminal swamp bass, but we'll get to that. Oh, that's not good. Um, and there's there's also uh, an ever present threat that's of my ice new formation. Band's
1: name: Terminal Swamp Ass. <laughs> oh man, that is a great one.
0: Hey, the uh, for the three goons that listen, perfect
2: username.
1: <laughs> that is a good username. Shit.
2: The, the Royal Swedish Academy would approve um, Andreas' uh, expense calculation, which was one hundred thirty thousand eight hundred kroner, the equivalent of one million dollars in today's money. Oh, Whoa, okay. that's um, a lot of fucking money. That's a lot of, of cheddar. Of which, uh, the single largest expense from it. Would be for the balloon, which was thirty-six thousand kroner.
0: Hmm.
2: Um, so, uh, with this endorsement, there's a rush to support him, um, and uh, the project, which was headed by King Oscar II, uh, who personally contributed around thirty thousand kroner, and Alfred Nobel, um, then uh, then dynamite, uh, then living dynamite uh, magnet, um, he also supported the expedition. How much is thirty thousand kroner in today's money?
1: Um seven fifty. It's eleven <laughs> fifty?
2: It's it's probably around uh two hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Okay. Alright. Um he um his proposed expedition also elicited um, international interest. Um and the European uh European and American newspapers uh, would write about his stories uh, which the public was curious about um and it, it seemed to be um, as something akin uh, to the works of like Jules Verne, which at the, which at that time were like contemporary um, sort of like science fiction stories. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the press, though, uh, they would uh, fan the predictions uh, with a, or uh, they would fan the interest in it with a wide range of predictions. Um, some uh, some would say for certain death for the explorers to a safe and uh, a safe and comfortable. Um, Mission for the balloon, which some newspapers even upgraded uh, to airship. All
0: right. So, um, what was his ultimate goal? Just to get up to the North Pole, fly around, and come back.
2: Well, to to like like essentially navigate across the North Pole.
0: So they want to go from like Sweden over the North Pole and end up on the other side, like whatever would be like I guess longitudinally the other side from the North Pole from Sweden.
2: Yeah, like like essentially end up in uh, Canada, okay, uh, or possibly Russia, okay. Um, and uh, to quote in these days, the construction and guidance of airships has been greatly improved, which was wrote by, uh, which was wrote by a Providence Rhode Island journal. And it is supposed both by the Parisian experts and by the Swedish scientists who have been assisting uh, uh, M. Uh, Andrea, that the question of a sustained flight in this case will be very uh, satisfactorily uh, answered by the character of the balloon, by its careful guidance and providing it gets into a polar current of air by the elements themselves. Gotcha. Um, so, normally in the popular press at this time, there was sort of faith in um, experts and, and, and scientists, um, but a lot of uh, the news that's coming out about this also elicits um, uh, criticism from people who are actually informed on the subject of uh, ballooning. <laughs>
1: Actual balloonist here. <laughs> Trust me, guys. I'm a balloonist.
2: Um, so, Andrea is actually one of Sweden's, like, first balloonists. Um, so, nobody really in Sweden has, like, the the knowledge needed like, to, like, second guess get a lot candy of the things there, he's saying.
1: You know, it's the Jamaican bobsled team moment. He Candy to be in there. <laughs> Fix everything.
2: They just... <laughs> They just just find him (laughs) in a bar in Stockholm, and they get him to...
1: Feel the rhythm.
0: Feel the rhyme. (laughs) Listen, when I saw the actual Jamaican bobsled team in the Olympics, I was so fucking disappointed that they didn't actually say that. I was like, oh. I know, right? (laughs)
2: Um, But in France and Germany, which had long ballooning traditions, um, uh, and several uh, other um, more experienced balloonists... Um, they uh, they express skepticism about his ability uh, to accomplish what he wished to. Um, but uh, even just like what happened with his uh, uh, his problems with his first balloon, um, he sort of um, ignores a lot of this, and it doesn't uh, dampen his optimism. Um, so he after uh, so after being followed by national and international media. Um, he began uh negotiations with a well known uh, uh balloon builder and, and balloonist named Henry uh Le Chambre in uh Paris. Okay. Uh which was which was like the world capital of ballooning, and he ordered a varnished three layer silk balloon that was sixty seven feet in diameter um from uh La uh workhouse. Now wait a
1: minute, are they still the capital? Like to this day? <laughs>
2: I mean, I'm sure America has, like, circumvented them with all those, like, New Mexico, like, like ballooning things, ballooning festivals. Yeah. There's some cool pictures that you see, too. I mean,
1: that's cool, get, like, but how do you know the that they're not getting them from, uh, what'd you say, what'd you call it, La <laughs> Something like that.
2: Well, I think well, I think La Lachambra's dead. So. <laughs> oh. Sorry, Sorry Steve. It's like the high school. My mom's <laughs> dead. <different. laughs> Fuck you. Um, the balloon was originally named uh, La Pole Nord, um, but it was renamed the Ornin or Eagle.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> Wait, wasn't the the lunar lander named the Eagle, or is that would like Eagle
2: One or some shit? I think so. Maybe
1: it sounds familiar. Interesting. Yeah, interesting.
2: Okay. Um, so they had to develop a uh, special uh, like technical solutions. Um, in order to accommodate uh, three adults to be confined to a small balloon basket for 30 days. Um, they would fit sleeping, uh, <clears throat> sleeping areas for the crew um, on the floor of the basket, along with uh, areas for, uh, the, for their provisions. Um, because uh, hydrogen is incredibly flammable, um, they would, uh, the cooking could not be done within the basket of the balloon itself. Um, the solution was they made a modified uh, stove, which was devel- uh, which was designed by a friend of Andrea's uh, that could be dangled uh, 26 feet below the crew and then lit from the basket at a safe distance. What the fuck?
0: <laughs> what is this um, jackass shit?
2: <laughs> a, an angled mirror that was attached to the specially designed stove allowed the crew to determine whether uh, whether the stove had been lit or not.
0: Why didn't they just bring a, uh, what do they call it, an induction stovetop? Why didn't they just bring one of those? Huh? Or an electric stovetop. I, Why didn't they just bring one of those? That wasn't invented <laughs> until like,
1: you know, nineteen Like six years ago. <laughs> yeah. More like a 100.
0: The induction stovetops? I'm talking about like the little, okay, like if you go to the YouTube cooking channels. I'm they aware have of like what those, they are.
1: I'm like, not sure. Is serious. that what they're called? The...
0: No, no, what I'm saying is, is that what they're called? The little tiny stovetops that, like, the cooking channels use? Like, induction stovetops? Is that what those are?
1: Uh, yeah.
0: Because I I haven't seen those almost at all until, like, I would say, like, 2010 is, like, when I first kind of started
2: seeing them pop up.
1: Right. I don't know.
2: Anyway,
0: they should have brought one of those.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it didn't, the induction stove didn't get, uh, didn't, uh, get, like, made and, like, introduced until the World's Fair in 1933.
1: Okay, so that was pretty close. by 100 years.
2: and yeah. didn't, didn't go to market it's until the funny, 1950s. Dude, like,
1: I'm just thinking of not, like, a small induction stove. Like, he's trying to get on there with a fucking full-size <laughs> full range, you know? <laughs> There's no way that my wife is not cooking this whole trip. Can I
0: just hook up the hood so that the gases go up into the balloon?
1: Look at that. Two for one. <laughs> I like how we made this guy from North Jersey for a second there. <laughs> the gases, they go up into the balloon. All right. Bada bing.
2: There is uh, 1896 attempt to launch the balloon, um, he had a, a, many volunteers who wanted to go on the expedition um, and he, he would first pick uh, Niles uh, Gustav uh, Eckholm, who was uh, an experienced uh, Arctic uh, meteorological um, researcher and uh, was also formerly his boss Good pick. during that 1882-1883 so, um, expedition pick. he had made. We're getting close and to he, fantasy the sec-
1: football season, so, you know, I'm going to treat <laughs> this like the fantasy draft.
2: Yeah, but I heard he's got some bad people in his entourage, so you don't know what's going right. on. It's all
1: right. It's good, good pick. It's a good pick. Solid pick. I like my team.
2: Um, and the uh, second was uh, Niles uh, Niles Strindberg, who was a um, who was a, a gifted student who was doing original research in physics and chemistry. Um, their main uh, scientific purpose of the expedition was to uh, map the area of uh, the North Pole. They would go over um, by uh, by using aerial uh, photography. Um, and Strindberg, uh, was, uh, both a devoted amateur, uh, photographer, um, and also a skilled constructor of advanced cameras.
0: Okay. Advanced, advanced cameras. cameras. Let's be real. Yeah. Let's, how, how advanced are they?
2: I mean, it took pretty good pictures.
1: <laughs> Bro. That's what I is say about my you fucking sell, cell phone. Is that how you <laughs> sell my advanced camera to me, Steve? If I, like, you're my camera salesman? What's good about this? Well, he, he shrugs. pictures.
2: You know. It's a it's a pretty good picture for 1897.
1: I refuse to believe that's in the 1800s. Yeah, it's
2: 1897.
1: Yeah. Sure it is. Which filters <laughs> are they? <laughs> Would you get that from fucking stable diffusion? <laughs> that's crazy. Hey. Our viewers can't see it right now, but it looks good.
0: I mean, it's it's not a bad picture. It honestly looks like a gigantic testicle, but like otherwise, yeah, there there actually is some definition to the picture. Like you can, I'll tell you what, if you had, if I had to live in that basket for thirty days, I would definitely would have thrown somebody off over the side.
1: Bro, thirty days (laughs) at the North Pole. (laughs)
0: With two other people in that basket, which looks like it would comfortably seat one. Yeah. No, absolutely not. Because there's two people in the frame. You can see comparatively
1: size. The backseat in the Volkswagen Golf. (laughs) The whole thing is the size of a Volkswagen (laughs) Golf.
2: (laughs) One of the main issues he has, understandably, um, is that all of the men he's taking with him are not really, uh... Men. Physically...
0: <laughs> They're not Paul Bunyan, is what he's trying to say. They're effeminate fucking Europeans. Say it, Steve.
1: <laughs> say it. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: This is not Lewis and Clark <laughs> traipsing through the Pacific Northwest to find land and water and find the ocean. He's a bunch of effeminate little Europeans just trying to find <laughs> their way across the map. <laughs> oh,
2: man. But the but but the main issue here is that these men don't really have any survival experience. <laughs> all I can think of is um, Ryan.
1: If we vote for Ron DeSantis, we can put an end to <laughs> these Europeans traipsing across the map.
0: I will have I every European. I will have every one of them wearing a coonskin hat by the end of twenty twenty four. Vote oh, for me. Oh my god.
2: These 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 effeminate these, these effeminate <laughs> so called men.
1: Yeah, this is not what it said but in the Bible. All right. <laughs> <laughs> fucking laugh! Listen, Ben Shapiro. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, all three of the men were uh were mainly uh indoor uh type people. They, they didn't spend a lot of time outdoors. They didn't have a lot of you know survival experience. We just call uh, them they nerds. weren't athletic. It's we called yeah, nerds. Fucking,
1: fucking um, all three of them were nerds.
0: <laughs> hey, those kids that you would give a wedgie to in high school—that's them. Three of them.
2: And, and only one of the three, uh, Strindberg, was young. The others were older. Um, so, but Andrea expected the police that, you know, they weren't going to leave the balloon basket. Um, so he didn't uh, really consider them to be needing, um, needing them to be uh, either physically strong or to have survival skills.
1: Oh, mm-hmm.
0: um, I mean, it, that, something happening to the balloon and getting stranded and needing to have survival skills. I mean, who could have foreseen that? Absolutely not. And I feel like this is a really bad omen for what I'm about to hear. Um, because you keep generally, talking about survival skills, so okay.
2: Um, it's generally agreed by modern uh, uh, modern uh, historians and writers that his uh, that his plan was unrealistic.
1: Yeah, you say that, but which historians are we talking about?
2: <laughs> a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> the mass. Um, uh, one of the big problems he had was he relied on, his plan was to rely on the wind blowing um, in the direction he wanted to go, um, <laughs> on being able to uh, tune, like, fine-tune the direction the, boat, or the uh, balloon was going by the drag ropes, um, and that also uh, the balloon being sealed tight enough to last for 30 days, um, and that no uh, ice or snow would stick to the balloon to weigh it down.
1: So this is, like, doomed from the start. <laughs> because there's, there's pretty much no way that that's going to work out. There we go. <laughs> Let's see how it goes.
2: Um, so, his first attempt in 1896, uh, it, the winds were uh, were blowing uh, steadily from the north uh, straight at the, the balloon hangar where they would launch the balloon on Danes Island in uh, Svalbard um, um, until uh, eventually... Uh, the expedition had to pack up the operation um, and let the hydrogen out of the balloon and go home. Um, it, it should be noted as well that Dane's Island um, was um, by the area that he had been before Spitzbergen, but it was also uninhabited. Um, it is uh, it, it is now uh, known today um, that if you are on Dane's Island, that you are to expect uh, northerly winds. Um, but by the late 19th century. Um, they weren't really aware of how Arctic airflow um, uh, worked and, and sort of how the precipitation in the region was. Um, and, and it was all mostly people talking like, like academics having like hypotheses about it that were heavily contested. Mm-hmm. Um, so even uh, Eckholm, who was a meteorologist um, had no objections to Andrea's theory uh, where the wind would, uh, would take them from that location. Okay, um, and this is mainly because they didn't really have any data um, on um, that type of information. Um, though Ekholm was skeptical of the balloon's ability uh, to retain hydrogen uh, from his own measurements, um, he would check the boy. Bu- um, he would do checks on the buoyancy of the balloon in the summer of 1896 um, during the process of producing the hydrogen and pumping it into the balloon. Um, And it convinced him that the balloon uh, leaked too much hydrogen uh, to ever reach the pole, uh, let alone going all the way um, to Russia or Canada.
0: So Um, he was never going to make it in the first place.
2: Pretty much. And the main source of leakage was the fact that there were about uh, 8 million tiny stitching holes um, along the seams of the balloon, um, which they couldn't really throw out any application of strips of silk or a special uh, varnish were able to seal.
0: It was unable um, to be fixed
2: 100%? Yeah, like they, they weren't able to like fully uh, seal it. When was fl- it it when never <laughs> seemed to work.
0: <laughs> when was Flex Seal invented? Because I figure that this could be like the <laughs> one application it might be helpful. <laughs> okay, that's my question. Why didn't they just bring cans of Flex Seal? Could it just fix it? Come on. You're right, we are uh, definitely smart I now. just saw this
1: balloon in half. Uh, the balloon headset? was losing around... But I saw the boat in half, and then reattached yeah. with Flex Seal? Okay. I was like, wait, I yeah. can't be on the fucking island stuck here with nobody else who knows about the Flex Seal boat. Okay, but stupid question. Is that possible? Because I've never used
0: Flex Seal, and I know that there are sometimes yeah, some did products like of silicone. Motherfucker, you know what I mean. It's a goddamn oh, commercial, there's a but guy in real on life, YouTube, is it like...
1: There's a guy on YouTube called the uh, Crazy Russian Hacker. And he's got several videos where he does ridiculous things with Flex Seal. It's not perfect, but it works if you use enough of it. (laughs) Okay. So, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if some Flex Seal (laughs) projects seem possible. You know, like putting the wing back on your plane midair or something.
0: (laughs) If you fly on spirit and you're about to lose a wing in midair, they will ask for volunteers to climb out on the wing and spray in spray flexing no, to fix that.
1: They spent some money this year. There's just a button in the plane, you get a hit. <laughs> you don't press it soon enough, it wing shears off. That's it. <laughs>
0: I mean, isn't this the same airline that asks for volunteers to be flight attendants? Oh my
1: god. Send <laughs> <laughs> so it our boy, right, Steve?
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Who are the flight attendants again? They're, they're not, like, uh, professional flight attendants. Yeah, who were the who were the little girly men <laughs> that were the flight attendants?
2: These <laughs> uh, uh, men up in these planes, in these balloons, uh, wearing skirts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but generally, the balloon was losing around 150 pounds of lift force per day. Um, so taking this into account, with the heavy load... Um, Ekholm estimated that it would be able to stay airborne uh, for 17 days at the most, not 30.
0: So was Um, he smart enough to just cut the distance he was trying to go, like, in half?
2: Well, when it was time to go home, he warned Andrea um, that he would not take part in the next attempt, which was scheduled for the summer of 1897, unless a stronger, better-sealed balloon was bought. Um, Andrea resisted these uh, criticisms um, to to the point of delusion. Um, on the boat ride back from uh, Svalbard, um, Echo learned from the chief engineer of the hydrogen plant the explanation of some of the anomalies he had noticed in his experiments. Um, Andrea had from time to time secretly ordered um, extra topping up of the hydrogen in the balloon, um, and Andrea's motives for such uh, for such behavior, which was self destructive, were not known. Interesting. Um. So, it, it seems likely that it wouldn't even last seventeen days because Andrea was secretly, you know, filling the balloon more than they were supposed to be as well.
1: And was he like having In order to problems sort of, from being around the gas? Like what was going on with them?
2: Well, well, I think it was just an obsession with, you know, like we got to make this happen. You right, know, it's right, it's right. it's essentially the uh, saying, uh, like a certain uh, he submarine had
1: a lot of hustle was what you're saying. He had a lot of hustle. He knew what he was doing. He you know, it was, it was on the like fundamentals and put in hard work. Yeah. You got to get out there. You got to get up every morning. You got to get on your grind set. You got to get more gas. <laughs> you know, you know, How Andrea. Andrea just walked Honda into the court and your court.
2: Andrea just you know walked into that boardroom and he's like, boys, we'll either fail or we'll become legends.
0: You gotta be willing to wake up every morning and saw and saw your neighbor's catalytic converter yeah. off their 1996 Honda Odyssey, or else yeah. you will not make it in life.
1: God dang it! Someone stole the God dang, call a carburetor again. God dang, that's what we dang call a. Sig-
2: that's what we call a sigma grind set. <laughs> he, he told them. He, he told them that they didn't need the the sleeping areas on the balloon. That they would just need areas for them to work, you know, because they just grind. They don't sleep. <laughs> um, several uh, modern writers, uh, such as um, uh, following uh, a, a portrait in a, a semi documentary novel um, by uh, Sudman Andre uh, called The Flight of the Eagle, released in 1967, um, have speculated that he had by this time um, become like a, a prisoner of his own propaganda. That that because he had lied so much about what he could do, and that that he had sort of like uh, created this narrative of how things would go, uh, that he became trapped in it himself. Okay. Um. So, because the sponsors of the trip and the media are following um uh, every delay he makes, and they're reporting on every setback, um because they want results. Um. Andrea uh, Strindberg in Elk um and Ekholm. Um, had uh, been seed off by cheering crowds in Stockholm uh, and Gothenburg. and now all the expectations were coming uh, were, were being dashed um, because of the long wait for southerly winds to come to Danes island. Okay. Uh, and And this is also uh, sort of gone against the uh, the Norwegian explorer I mentioned before, uh, Nansen um, who uh, who had a simultaneous return uh, uh, from his uh, from an expedition he had made. Um, and then uh, Andrea's uh, failure to launch um, his own balloon sort of made that worse. Um, some men theorized that Andrea uh, could not face uh, letting the press report that he did not know um, the, what the prevailing wind direction was at Dane's Island and had also miscalculated in ordering the balloon and needed a new one to rectify this error.
1: Like, once he got So there? in
2: 1890. Well, well, yeah, like, it's just sort of like the, <laughs> these things are coming up. And, like, once he gets there and he's like, well, this isn't going to work, he's like, I'm going to make it work. Wow. Uh, So, in 1896, the launch is called off. Um, A lot of the enthusiasm around it uh, declines. Um, And so, he makes a a second attempt in 1897. Um, From the candidates, he picked a 27-year-old engineer named uh, Newt uh, Frankel to replace Eckholm. Uh-huh. Um, and Frankel himself was a civil engineer from the north of Sweden um, and was an athlete who was fond of hiking. He was um, newt Frankel a, enrolled like specifically
1: Like either like a former college football player from like the black and white era. you know Newt Frankel a like linebacker.
2: you know They yeah, boys, we have Newt Frankel playing. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> newt playing for the date playing for the Dayton groomsman. Um, He was enrolled to take over Ekholm's uh, meteorological um, observations. Um, So despite having any of the uh, theoretical and scientific knowledge uh, of Ekholm, he found that he was able to do the task efficiently. Um, We know uh, uh, from his uh, journal um, that we can reconstruct the movements that the men uh, made uh, during their trip. Um, they would return to Danes Island in the summer of 1897. Um, the expedition found that the balloon uh, hangar they had built the year before um, had uh, had weathered the uh, the winter there very well. Um, the winds were more favorable there too, um, and Andrea had uh, strengthened his uh, leadership position um, in the group by replacing the older and critical Ekholm um, with the more enthusiastic Frankel. Okay. Um, on July 11th, um, as a steady wind came from the southwest, uh, the top of the uh, plank hangar that they kept the balloon was dismantled, um, and the three explorers climbed into the already uh, into the basket of the balloon, um, and Andrea dictated one last-minute telegram to King Oscar and another to the newspaper Afton Bladet, um, which was the holder of the press rights for the expedition. The large uh, support team for the balloon King Cut away the last ropes the, holding uh, the balloon King
1: Oscar Sardines Company?
2: Yes Wow
1: wait, really? The Same. Really? Yeah no shit man That's crazy he's in my Publix
0: <laughs> Hey side note speaking of Publix The Publix that they're going to build right around the corner from my house Is going to be the largest one in Alachua County
1: That's awesome you can, I can't wait for you to go there I'm, and spend too much money On groceries I, Dude, last time I was at Publix, I
0: literally spent two hundred and forty dollars. I'm dude.
1: Yeah, two hundred forty dollars. So you got bad. like a bucket of popcorn, chicken, four vials of mayonnaise, a ketchup, Bro, and it was tomato.
2: A- <laughs> one, one of those boxes included. of saltine crackers.
1: No, it's yeah. like 1850. And it was, and it wasn't, it wasn't a brand new box of saltines. It was in like the discount aisle. It yeah, like it was dented. Dollar yeah. yeah. in the scratched but, and dented, you know, dented area. Publix, it's seventeen dollars. You know, they
2: kind of, they kind of instantly like just shattered the second they like touched your mouth. It was cool. <laughs> no, like it was when I when opened the sleeve
1: out, he... and they were just dust. Yeah. He walked out with, like, a beach town and one of those straw hats, too, so he just was run the total up to
0: $400. I bought a, I bought a, UF, a UF shirt. I it just, was, like, 36, $36.50. I just hey, like,
2: man, hey, man, I just let me like get one of those clientele. pool noodles.
1: I like I like the clientele at Publix more. That's why I go there. That's why I spend double the price for groceries of similar I, quality. I, Not going to lie.
0: I, I do I love it. Pick, the Publix... Go ahead. Go ahead. If I could pick clientele but, to shop with, it would be Food Lion clientele. <laughs> I right. would not shop with Publix clientele if I could choose.
1: Oh my god! the uh,
2: The Publix across from my work is one of those like uh, like tourism focused Publix. Oh. So they so they have an entire aisle, like a full aisle, that's just like essentially like tourist trap, like Disney T shirts and blah and stuff,
0: <laughs> sunscreen, bathing rafts. suits. <laughs> Fitting rooms. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I had Nashville hot chicken too from the Publix deli for the first time last week. Dude, that shit was amazing. I wish they would have that more.
2: It was pretty good. I've had it a couple times.
0: Oh, so, I've never so had f- it
1: from there. They're fucking. Oh, it's they, so they, good. Uh, dude. smoked Gouda mac and cheese is good, though, man. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, All come right on, anyway, man. I'm a little. I'm a little turned. So I don't want to hear about speaking. Food, of,
0: speaking of Gouda. Last
1: thing, the last um, so I need the. To sit here and- fucking reminisce about chicken at Publix mom fucking <laughs> on. we we're going down the block I can feel myself getting fatter just thinking about the fried chicken you gotta get there at like 10 like 9 59, 10 o'clock when they're about to go we went there one night and we just wanted some chicken and we, we got a chicken and then they just gave us two more
0: it was like here just take it we're gonna, throw, they were it away gonna anyway.
1: throw it out so they just gave it to us so we'd like
0: rather die than give it to the homeless population chicken. so take this shit that's yeah, true that is true
1: Fuck! I didn't even think about that. I ate that chicken. Yeah, you could have gave those extra chickens to the homeless guys outside. That I'm sure were there. They're not homeless, not at Publix. It's just their hustle. (laughs) There's definitely homeless people, and there's a lot of them in Orlando. But the ones that I've seen at fucking supermarkets, they, there's no way. Like there was this family at one point, right? Where we saw the mother and like the daughter at Publix and then we went down the street to another Publix and like a week later and uh, we saw the the way we saw the father and like the son and the mother and the daughter in two different places and they would switch up every week for like a year.
2: I think I know I think I know the family you're talking about cuz they would they would make the rounds at all the Publixes. Yeah.
1: They're fucking great. Yeah, they're just they, they were
2: not. They were not geographically confined. They would. They would like hit every Publix in the Orlando metro area. I, I really. I
1: respect the grind, but like you know, you're definitely a grifter. Like you're not homeless.
2: They. I, I think sometimes they'd also have an amp, and yeah, I think the there was I think the dad would play the like the accordion or something. It's
1: fake. There's somebody
0: like it's that fake. outside Publix here, it's or not, not Publix? Uh, Target.
1: It's a known. It, that's a known grift. There's actually a lot of them that go around with the uh, violin. And they uh-huh. have the thing going, but they're not actually playing the violin. They're just really? pretending to play it. Yeah, and it's coming out of this amp. It's a recording.
0: Because it's very common to see them at the Target where I'm at. And they're, they have yeah. a little sign that says, you know, I'm just doing this for a little bit of extra cash to help pay for groceries uh, yeah, or whatever. Like, I'm not homeless or whatever.
1: It's a known thing. Really? Look it up. Yeah, look it up, man. Or I'll look it up for you. But, oh yeah. my god,
0: that's wild! Because I mean, it I'm not saying really that legitimate. you might
1: not see like one every once in a while, but it's definitely a known grift. That's all I'm saying. Damn. I'm not it saying legit. I'm, I don't know everything, so I don't know if the ones that yours are, but you know.
2: Okay. Um. So the support team they they cut away the the ropes holding the balloon, and it rises slowly. Um. They they move out low over the water, um. But it is uh pulled uh, so far down. Um, by, the, uh, by the friction uh, caused by the, uh, by the drag ropes against the ground um, so it dips the basket into the water. Oof. <coughs> the, uh, the friction also twists the ropes around, uh, detaching them uh, from the balloon. Um, uh, they were held to the balloon by what were called screw holds, which were a new safety feature that Andrea um, had uh, been persuaded to add, whereby the ropes, that if they got caught on the ground, they could be uh, more easily dropped. that's good Um, so most of the ropes unscrewed uh, at once and uh, and 1,170 pounds of rope were lost
1: Um, I'm guessing that because we know these exact figures that that these men are going to survive so I mean clearly you guys want to place bets? Nothing, nothing has
0: ever gone wrong in the North Pole with a dirigible and three dudes that are all effeminate little men that have no survival skills. There's that's no my,
1: way that this could go that's wrong. That's my third album name, actually.
0: Effeminate men with no survival <laughs> <Three> skills? dudes <laughs> who are effeminate men with no survival skills. Actually, that was the original name of this podcast. Effeminate it men it with was. no survival it skills. Was. It was. It
1: was. <laughs>
2: Hey, speak for yourself! I was a speak boy scout. Yourself,
0: I was a boy scout too. I just fucked off and didn't learn shit. <laughs> yeah.
2: You were just you were just smoking weed at Weeblo Camp.
0: <laughs> listen, listen, that kid—I <laughs> didn't smoking know what it
1: was—and
0: <laughs> it was the older kids that were in like the actual like Boy Scout Boy Scouts instead of like the Cub Scouts. <laughs> that were like, Yo, "You wanna try?" It? No, I'm, I'm joking. I did not. That's fucked up.
2: Um. And the, uh, after they they lost the ropes, um, they had to dump about uh, 460 pounds of sand overboard uh, to get the basket clear of the water.
1: Yeah, that's a lot of sand. Um, God damn. Why so do they have all the, that sand?
2: In order to, um, to stop themselves from, like, to control their buoyancy.
1: How do you see? You can't get it back, though, you know? Like...
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like now you've lost all that sand, so wow, now like, what if what, you you're just going to go add, up, up, up,
1: up, up. Well, what if you had like it, it a gets, really efficient balloon? You know, like you, you
2: drop well, the sand. That that it. gets. Well, that gets to the point that within the first uh, few minutes of their expedition, they lose uh, 1,630 pounds of essential weight. Whew.
0: Jesus Christ, dude! So they, um, they get the so, bands going up.
2: Uh, so before <laughs> fork was clear of the launch site. The uh, the eagle, which had been a, a steerable craft, um, <clears throat> um, it, it became just an ordinary hydrogen balloon uh, with a few ropes hanging from it, at the mercy of the elements.
0: So just like um, any other eagle,
2: a shitty scavenger so the crew, bird
0: who's not all that really all that great.
2: <laughs> the, the crew had no means to direct the balloon as well, um, and they had uh, they didn't have enough ballast um, in order to stabilize the balloon. Um, so the balloon is lightened, and it rises to 2,300 feet, So why which did, okay, at that time...
0: <clears throat> if they already fucked up, and they weren't even out of the launch area, why didn't they just call it and say, now we're going to try this again at some other time?
2: Well, the problem with that is that they shoot up to 2,300 feet in the air, which at that time was like like an unimagined height for a balloon to go. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> and, this, and, this, and this causes the... Uh, because they're in lower air pressure now it causes the hydrogen to escape from the balloon much faster um, than it was uh, escaping normally. Right. Um, So the balloon had two means of communication with the outside world. Uh, One was uh, buoys, and the other one was homing pigeons. (laughs) Um, The the buoys were steel cylinders encased in cork, um, and they would be uh, dropped from the balloon into the water or onto the ice, to be carried to civilization by the currents but the problem is, is um, that he didn't only get two-
1: homing pigeons he got homing pigeons which are <laughs> the Chinese knockoff <laughs> those are the pigeons you find in Chinatown they're just joke. as good but they're just, How just about a dad s- slightly fucked right? up <laughs> you know that's a dad ass joke
2: it's actually a dove that's been painted my pigeon never <laughs> came
1: back I thought I got a homing pigeon but he was a homing <laughs> a, oh, these Louie so funny
2: <laughs> um, One of them was dispatched by uh, Andrea on July 11th A few hours after takeoff And it read Our journey goes well so far We sail at an altitude of around 820 feet um, At uh, first uh, North 10 degrees east But later north 45 degrees east Weather delightful, spirits high the second was dropped an hour later and gave their height as around 2,000 feet. Uh, the paper uh, Afton uh, Bladet, um, who had supplied the uh, pigeons to him, uh, bred them in northern Norway with the optimistic uh, belief that they would uh, manage to return there and their message cylinders, uh, would, uh, which contained uh, pre-printed instructions in Norwegian, um, which would allow the finders to pass the messages onto the paper um, uh papers addressed in stockholm
0: okay
2: uh andrea released at least four pigeons but only one was ever retrieved it was by a norwegian steamer where the pigeon had a white had sort of landed on the steamer and was promptly shot uh its message dated july 13th uh, gave the travel direction at that point as east 10 degrees south and the message reads the andrea polar expedition to the afton bladet uh, stockholm Uh, July uh, uh, 13th, uh, 12.30 p.m., 82 degrees north latitude, 15 degrees, 5 minutes east longitude. Good journey eastwards, 10 degrees south, all goes well on board. This is the third message sent by Pigeon, Andrea. Nice. Okay. Uh, uh, Lundstrom and others uh, would note that all three uh, messages uh, fail to mention the accident at takeoff where they're uh, increasingly a uh, desperate situation.
0: Not um, everything which- is fine. We don't need anything. We have no problems. We're fine. We'll be back in a couple weeks, guys. Don't worry about us. Meanwhile, they're just panicking on board, <laughs> fighting each other, and just talking shit. To- just don't scream at me. You're yelling at me. Ah! <laughs> just like cabin fever type shit, 2,800 feet in the air.
2: <laughs> um. So uh, he, we know that Andrea does write about this fully in his uh, in his main diary. Um, so the balloon out of equi- equilibrium, um, sailing uh, far too high, um, and thereby losing its hydrogen much faster um, than, than even um, Ekholm had predicted. Um, it, it was uh, repeatedly seemed like it was going to crash into the ice. Um, it was weighed down by the uh, by being uh, rain soaked. Um, Andrea describes it as being dripping wet in his diary. Um, and the men were throwing all the sand and some of the payload overboard to keep it airborne. Still? They're still jettisoning more shit to keep it in the air? Um, so the, the free flight of the balloon lasted uh, for 10 hours and 29 minutes. Um, and was followed by uh, 41 hours of, uh, of bumpy uh, riding with frequent uh, ground contact before they inevitably crashed. Um, the Eagle would travel for two days and three and a half hours altogether. Um, during that time, according to Andrea, uh, none of the three men got any sleep. Um, the, Damn. the final landing they did appeared to have been gentle. Um, and neither the men nor the homing pigeons, which were in their cages were hurt and none of the equipment was damaged. Not even their, um, not, not even the instruments and cameras they had brought.
0: So it was like, um, a, like a, like a controlled crash then you mean?
2: Well, as, as, as nothing's, controlled as... <laughs> yeah,
0: nothing's damaged. It couldn't be that bad, I guess. I was thinking Crash, what, like, they tumbled and flipped, <laughs> like, an airbag deployment.
2: What, what helps it was, you know, a balloon, and, and it didn't go up, like, the Hindenburg, so it just, like, oh, just eventually, humanity. like, softly yeah. landed. You're making it sound like
1: just Homer falling from Springfield Gorge. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then the litter getting disconnected from the helicopter and going down a second time. Yeah.
2: They just slam into an iceberg, and he hits every spike on the way down. <laughs>
0: Ah, ooh, eat, ah, ow,
1: ooh.
2: <laughs> and on that note, that is where we will leave off and where we will pick up. Oh, you're going to blue the ball these dudes eating each other. Oh, my God.
1: Well, you know, Ryan, we could have did more, but you were so fucking late. Will I'm work. sorry. I'm an awful individual. It's fine. Listen,
0: it's fine. It gives us more content. It's fine. I like content.
1: I'm content to edit only a one hour, eleven minute episode now. And if I stop I'm... talking, it'll be even shorter. Say good night. Oh my god. <laughs> good night.
2: Later.